Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning, Lord, and we just want to praise your name. We just want to give you all the praise this morning, that no matter what it is that we're going through, no matter what it is that we encounter on a daily basis, minutely basis, hourly basis, Lord, we're free. We're free because of you. We're free because of what you did on the cross. And Lord, we're free because we belong to you. We don't belong to this world. We're not from here. We're not from this fleshly world, Lord. We're from the Spirit. We are from you, Father. And this morning, Lord, I just, uh, I pray for an encounter with you this morning. I pray for an encounter in a way that brings us closer to you, closer to knowing your spirit, knowing your character, knowing your word, knowing who you are, Father. We need that. I pray that today is not just another Sunday morning. But Lord, we will walk away from here transformed. We will walk away from here looking more like Jesus. Having more of the Spirit in His Father. Be here in Jesus' name. Be here in Jesus' name. We want more, Lord. We want more, Father. Yes, we do. So what I'm going to ask you to do right now is just whatever is on you to pray. Whatever is on you. If you got something that... You want to just lift up to the Lord We're going to spend just about 30 seconds here Just uh, opening up our mouths And giving God uh, ourselves this morning Letting the flesh fall away But just beseech his throne right now Just ask him, just talk to him There's something on your heart Pray Pray for somebody, pray for your family Pray for the, the people next to you Pray for this city Pray for your circumstance Ask the Lord to be more present In your current circumstance Come on, Jesus. Come on, Father. Yeah. More, 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 Jesus. Yes, Jesus. We need more of that. We need more of that. The Lord is here this morning, so we're just going to make sure that we we respond to Him. Come on, Father. Lord, you're speaking to us. You're, you're dropping visions. You're dropping words into us right now. God, I pray for discernment and understanding and wisdom as to when to share that. Whether that be today, this week, with somebody. You've already already highlighted that person in our mind. Lord, we want to serve this morning. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be here. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. You can be seated. very thankful for our worship team. Amen? Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you for being here this morning. Um, you could have been anywhere else, sitting on the couch. Thank God you're not there, but you're here. Thank you for spending time with us. Um, and this morning, we're going to continue in the book of Nehemiah, but... Today's going to be just a little bit different, simply because what you see in your bulletin is Nehemiah chapters 10, 11, and 12. Well, I'm not going to read chapters 10, 11, and 12, thank goodness, all right? There's so many names and words and all kinds of craziness going on in there. These are, some of it we've already covered, we've covered chapter 10 and 11, we haven't jumped into 12 yet, but... What we're going to do 
today is kind of take a little bit of a step back, not from Scripture, but you guys know how we do here at ESS. We dive right into every word, line upon line, precept upon precept, and we don't skip anything. And the reason for that is because you have to take the whole counsel of the word. There's nothing that you can skip. Sometimes there's fun messages to preach. This is going to be a fun one, but you guys know there's times where I'm, I got to encourage you. And those aren't necessarily the fun ones. Say, hey, look, we got to get right. Got to act right. Because <laughs> this is what the word is saying. Well, today is going to be kind of a bird's eye view of these three chapters in relationship to one phrase that we see all throughout those three chapters. And it's this. The son of. Now, we're going we're gonna to highlight that today. Because I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us through that. There's times where, and I've, I've said this to you guys before, I get up here and the Lord says, look, uh, whatever you prepared, I want you to whoosh, whoosh, toss that out the window. That happened two weeks ago. It's a little nerve-wracking. Alright? And then times where he says, alright, this is, this is what I want you to, this is the one word I want you to sit on. And then there's other times where he's saying, hey look, I need you to have a kingdom perspective, uh, a broader picture of all of what's going on here. And so we're gonna kinda attack the scripture from that standpoint. Uh, so, in doing that, I just have a question for you. And it's this. Have you ever been distracted in prayer? <laughs> like before you go to sleep, you're praying, and before you know it, you fell asleep, and you woke up, and you're like, oh, Lord, sorry. And you try to get back into it, and before you know it, you doze off. You get lulled to sleep. Well, there's, I mean, that's a whole other preaching, because when the peace of God is with you, sometimes there's, there's no problem with falling asleep, because the Lord is, the Lord is there. He's giving your heart rest, alright? So I don't want you to beat yourself up too much with that. But as we read through these chapters 10, 11, and 12, there's something in here that we can get lulled to sleep on, and I already explained it. It's this phrase, the son of, because starting off in chapter 10, those first 27 verses, it's nothing but names. Then we get into some, some details of a covenant that an agreement that they were promising the Lord. Here's what we're going to do. And then in repopulating Jerusalem, um, after the walls had been built, it's the son of this guy, the son of that guy. And before you, before you know it, you've been lulled to sleep on that phrase. We can get distracted by all of these names. But let me say this. All of these names are in here for a reason. They're in there. We pulled a few of them out a couple, couple weeks ago. Perez and the, the tribe of Benjamin, which I'll kind of touch on today just a little bit. Not too much. But there's something amazing that I feel is, is worth slowing down and looking at when it comes to this phrase. The son of. And then there's names and names and names. Now I've been speaking to you guys on a very personal level. These past few weeks. Saying this. That what we've seen in these scriptures. Is everyone who was called to inhabit Jerusalem. Was unified around one thing. Service to the temple. So it makes me ask you this question. I've asked you this question before. Do you walk in here saying. How can this place serve me? How can the church serve me? Or is it the other way around? How can I serve the church? What does the Lord put in me so I can give to his bride, give to his body? We went over that. And then also coming to a place where we say to people, 
I am, and then your job title gets put in right there, and then, but I'm also a Christian, kind of comes up behind, brings up the, the end of the train. Do you walk into a conversation and say off the top, hey, guess what? I'm a follower of Christ, and I just so happen to play football. I just so happen to be a manager. I just so happen to work at a library. I just so happen to be an engineer. Talking to you guys on a personal level with that, is your language correct or is it backwards? Do you have a mind to serve first, or is it that you are out in front? You guys trucking with me? We've looked at that just a little bit. I'll be honest with you, I've gotten a lot of really good responses during the week. People text me and they say, hey, Lord, or not Lord, that's weird. Alex, <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> say, Pastor Square, hey, I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to jump in. And I'm like, hallelujah. That means the word is not returning void. Does that make sense? That ain't nothing to do with me. That means that the word is going out and it's not returning void. People are ready to serve. Um, which... Makes me feel good as a pastor that something is being picked up. Amen? Uh, but the Spirit has brought to light something that's more foundational than saying, I'm a follower of Christ. We're supposed to lead with that, right? That's what I'm saying. Well, the Lord kind of convicted me and just said, look, there's, there's, there's more. We can go deeper in this. There's something that's more foundational than saying, I am a follower of Christ. And I'm going to say this to you. It's going to be harder to follow Christ. Catch me when I say this. If you don't know who you are. You hear me when I say that? It's going to be real hard to lead with following him. If you have no clue who you are. Now you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh well, do I know who I am? (laughs) Kind of. I am Alex, son of Johnny, son of Clinton, son of someone else. And there's the question, do you know who you are? And the word is very direct in explaining that to us. The viewpoint of following him would be foundationally incomplete if you cannot answer that question. Now I'm going to tell a little bit of a story here before we jump into... I'm going to take you guys to Galatians 4, Ephesians 1, and Romans 8. But I got to... I gotta kinda set this up before I jump into this. Um, I have a massive family. Massive. In Houston, Texas. Alright? My dad is the baby of ten. And everyone but him, I think maybe one other brother had four or more kids. So that means that I got cousins upon cousins upon. We have family reunions and there's squares being let down from the trees and coming out of the bushes just kinda saying, what's up, you know? I'm this guy's cousin twice removed. I'm trying to get some of this peach cobbler over here. What's up? You know? There are so many of us down there. It's it's ridiculous. Now, we're not all from Houston. We're actually, there's, there's hundreds more of us in Louisiana, which I have just come to understand this. That my great-grandpa, there's five people in his family, and they are all from Louisiana. And I'll get to that in a second. But my family, all right, they're a pack of hyenas. That's all we are. It's a, a family reunion is nothing but a shouting match. And you cannot understand a word that's being said. Somebody might be talking about the best cereal. Someone might be talking about their taxes. Somebody might be talking about they stubbed their toe on the, on the way up here and it's everyone's fault but theirs. But 
They're just screaming. Everyone's just screaming. It's just a massive scream fest. Pack of hyenas. I love it. It's a fun time. Last time I went down there, I learned something about the origin of my name and where it came from. And long story short, I spoke a little bit about Louisiana. Well, my great-grandfather lived in Louisiana, and he actually had to move to Houston because he killed a white man. Now, this is early, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, way back when, and there's really no due process, okay? So they came after him, and they killed him. So those who took my great-grandfather's life called him Square. So my original name was not Square, but here's, here's what comes from that. Uh, maybe two or three weeks ago, when we preached on why are you here, and that we, we saw these two names in, um, I think it's chapter 11, Perez and Benjamin. Perez was born of an Ill- illegitimate birth. But he was asked to inhabit Jerusalem, which was no small city. All right, This is the holy city. And then Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin was responsible for a lot of sexual sin. But who came out of that? Paul, who was responsible for writing almost 90% of the New Testament. So it's saying, it doesn't matter where you come from. The Lord's not interested in how you started as much as how you finished. So that came to mind when I heard, when, I, when, I, when that story of where my name came from came to mind. It ain't about where I started. It's about where I'm about to finish. Same thing with you guys. The Lord doesn't care where you're at. Excuse me, where you started. He cares where you are. Don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But He wants you to finish well, right? Well, if I was to look at the landscape of my family, however many hundreds there are, and Beck's got a massive family too, Italian family, and so that's just a whole other story. <laughs> but... If I was to look at the landscape, every single one of those individuals is so gifted. We got lawyers, we got dentists, we got doctors, we got people who started businesses. I got a second cousin who plays for the San Diego Chargers. There's just, I mean, there's just a lot there. Had any one of those people said, look, my great granddad got in trouble for some stuff and lost his life. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to sit down and, you know, ho-hum past the potato chips. That's not, that's not it. There's so much there. Regardless of what my name is, my bloodline. You hear me when I say that? My bloodline's got stuff in it. There's, there's a lot that's in just our blood. Now, it's the same for you guys. I'm just telling you a little bit about me this morning. I want to get off of that and into the scripture because this is not about Alex. All right? But in seventh grade, I was playing football here in town over at Lincoln Junior High School. I went to uh, Blevins Junior High School. All right? And it was an away game. <laughs> I got to tell this without just cracking up. <laughs> so we're playing this game, right? And I'm just loafing. Not a game that I want to be playing. It's hot. It's like 2.30. You know what happens at 2.30. You just don't want to be around. You just want to sleep, right? I'm just in seventh grade, just, you know, running back, just kind of letting myself get tackled, whatever. My dad didn't show up at the beginning of the game. He showed up maybe halfway through the second quarter. And he's over there watching me play, you know? And then he says, come here, boy. And I'm telling you, like, he gets right down in my face, my little seventh, seventh grade self. And he's, like, right here up in my, my face mask. And he says, what's wrong with you? 
when the, your dad asks you that big old bald-headed black man, you better come with something that's sufficient, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I just don't want to play today, thinking I had, you know, attitude and all this, you know, just, I was justified in that. And he looks at me and he says, okay, well, why don't you take your helmet off? Why don't you take your, your pads off? We'll give those back to the coach. Um, take all of your stuff off. We'll, we'll, we'll return it. And I'll take you home. And you can sit down. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that because that would be embarrassing. And I don't. And he says, you know what? You're embarrassing my name. That moment I was like, whoa, okay. I got to do something now. That was during halftime. I had some like, you know, close to 200 yards after that. Um, in the second half, simply because I didn't want to go home and get my butt whooped. So it was like, I'm just running away. I just got to do this because I got to make sure that my dad, you know, all that stuff. But what he was saying to me, he was saying, as a result, you know, he, he was saying this, your performance on the field should be as a result of the blood that's running through your veins. Because you are my son. And you better know where you came from. Now, let me translate that to you and I. Who are you? Question mark. Whose blood is running through your veins? Question mark. Being a follower of Christ should be as a result of one thing and one thing only. That you are a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ. You hear me when I say that. I can walk into any situation and say, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ. But the reason why I'm a follower of Christ is because I'm a son of Jesus. Amen. And you are a daughter of the Most High King. Amen. Women in here, don't let any man ever tell you anything different. You walk into a situation, a relationship, anything, even, even those of you who are married, your husband does not determine for you your worth. You're a daughter of Jesus. Men in here, don't let any woman or any situation or any circumstance or amount of money or status or whatever it is tell you anything different. You belong to Jesus Christ. That's it. And as a result of that, we follow him. Does that make sense? Are you with me this morning? Hallelujah. Come on now. Don't make me jump off this organ over here. We don't even own it yet, but I'll do it. Okay? Turn with me to Galatians. Because when I said that the Lord is very specific about showing us that we are His, it's in Scripture. I don't want you to take Alex's funny stories and analogies for it, or Alex's words for it. But turn over to Galatians 4, and we're going to see how Scripture speaks to us on this matter. I love this. I was putting this message together and literally like just walking around my house like these, these people ain't ready. They're not ready for this. Come on, Jesus. What does it mean to be an heir? Let's read this. Galatians 4 verses 1. Verse 1. It says, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave. Although he is owner of everything. Alright, now we're going to read all the way through verse 7. I'm just going to read it all and we're going to go back. It says, but he is 
under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law. That we might receive, here it is, the adoption as sons. Because you as sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, verse 7, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What, excuse me, what does it mean? Can you find me some tissues, please? What, what does it mean to be an heir. The Greek word for that is kleronemos, and it means one who receives by right of sonship. I receive from my dad because I'm his son. And guess what? It's easy to be his son because I came from him. It's not like I can change that, you know what I'm saying? Um, but the imagery that's being set up here, if we if we see, thank you mother, if we see uh, continue to look at verse 1. It's saying a child does not differ from a slave, although he is owner of everything. It says, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. Father, to be a son is also to be a child. One who is under guardians and managers is not is no different than a slave. This is creating the imagery of being bound until the point of maturation. Does that make sense? What does it look like for us today? You're not an adult until you're 18 years old. That's basically all this is saying. But there's this connection from a child and a slave saying that until I'm 18, I'm bound by something. And then the Lord takes that imagery and he shifts it into our relationship and what he's done with us. He says in verse 3, also... So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Basically saying this, until the point of maturation, you were a slave to the world. Does that make sense? You were a slave to the world. Held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law. That point of maturation for us, ladies and gentlemen, is the day you received Christ. The day you received him. Now, the reason why that imagery is being created is for this word that is at the end of this passage. And it says this. Uh, End of verse 5. says, so that he might redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Do you know what that word adoption means? It means this. Where are my notes here? To legally take another's child and bring it up as one's own. Legally. Now, to better explain this and to give us more light to what's going on here, turn over to Ephesians 1 and it's more of the same. We want to hang on this word adoption. And in my Bible, it's just one page over, Galatians, Ephesians, all right? So just turn that page and we're looking at verse 5. It says this. 
He predestined us to adoption as sons. There's that word again. Through Christ Jesus to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of the grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Now, that word predestined, predestination, there's a whole doctrine. False doctrine. Let me just say that. Padded around this word, predestination. And it basically means, well, the false doctrine is that the Lord knew you were going to sit where you're at. The Lord knew you were going to come here today. The Lord picked those who were going to accept Christ into their lives. And you had no choice. That's what predestination, that doctrine is basically saying. There's, uh, I, I'll probably leave it up to our teacher to kind of walk you through that. But here's the basis and the whole that is in that doctrine. What about free will? What about the Lord saying, I love you so much, I'm not going to force you to do anything. I'll show you what it looks like. Good. I'll show you what it looks like. Bad. He knows the outcome of every decision. But he doesn't know what decision you're going to make. Does that make sense? So, that's another preaching. Here, predestined, decided beforehand. He says he decided beforehand to adopt us. To legally take, another, to legally take us and bring us up as one's own. And here's where I feel like predestination gets another whole shot into it. To have the word predestined and adoption in the same sentence, if predestination was true, those two would buck. They would, you'd take two things. The Lord doesn't do that. He doesn't take two truths and run them up against each other. All truth runs parallel, runs together. Adoption, meaning that you legally take another's child and raise that child as your own, then we take free will, throw it in the equation. He doesn't say that he predestined us to kidnapping. What's kidnapping? It's the opposite of adoption. (laughs) It's the illegal way of acquiring someone else's child and raising them as your own, right? That would be forcing someone to do that. So the simple fact that we have adoption and predestined, predestined in the same sentence, that adoption gives more light to the context of that word. You guys trucking with me on that? Again, there's more there. I'm not a teacher. I'm just trying to proclaim the word this morning. You guys need to get a piece of Beck. I'm probably going to have Beck preaching in the next couple of weeks. I keep telling you, boy's going to blow you away. He's going to do it. You've heard him a couple of times already. Building you up, man. Now you got to knock it out. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> How did he legally adopt us? boy was on the cross and his blood is what paid for us. That's how he legally adopted us and took us and said, you know what, I'm going to make you my son. I'm going to give you the opportunity, let me say it that way, to be my son and to be my daughter. You have to choose it. I'm predestiny. I've decided beforehand that this is what I'm going to do for you. You guys with me there? Let's continue in, in, in these, uh, these verses right here. Uh, I want you to jump down to verse 11. And it says this. In him also we have obtained 
an inheritance, having been predestined again according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ Jesus would be the praise of his glory. There's inheritance that comes with being a son. There's an inheritance that comes with being a daughter. Again, let me rewind all the way back to uh, Nehemiah 10, 11, and 12. All of those names, the son of. Do you know who you're the son of? You're the son of Jesus Christ. He's adopted you. And because of that, you are entitled to an inheritance. Now, I'm going to bring this whole thing home with Romans 8. And this is, this is where I pushed back from the table. Got up, was walking around. I'm in the house by myself, like screaming. Just, okay, I gotta calm down. Alright? My dog's looking at me funny, probably just, boy, what is wrong with you? I got Jesus, okay? I got Jesus. So, here we look in Romans 8. And in order to be adopted, legally take another person's child. That means that you belong to some, you belonged to something different before you came into the kingdom. Do we see that connection there? In order for the Lord to adopt us, that means I had to belong to something else. Well, what does the word say about that? It's very clear. Romans 8, alright, verse 9, it says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Then it says, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Very clear. That in order to be a follower of Christ, you've got to have the Spirit in you. You've got to have God in you. You have to understand that you're a son. You have to understand that you belong to Jesus Christ. I don't know how many times I've got to say that this morning. You belong to the Father. That should make your confidence just like, man, I'm busting these doors down. I'll pay for the door later. You know, take care of that. Your confidence should be up here when you hear that. I'm not from here. <laughs> I, just, I just love saying that. I'm from the kingdom. My residency lies in the kingdom. Mm, that's a good one. That means of this scripture, verses, verse 9, uh, that you belong to the world. Yes, the Spirit is everywhere. It influences everything. But there are scriptures that say that the Word is foolishness to those who don't know Him. And we preached three, four weeks ago that you need not only the counsel of the Word in your life, but you need the Spirit to bring illumination to the Word. You can't have one without the other. If I just have the Word, then I'm going around and slapping people in the face, Bible thumping. But the Spirit is what allows you to see that um, the way in which to communicate that in that given situation. We don't have to turn there, but also in Psalms 51.5. This is David's prayer of repentance after he messed up with Bathsheba. And he's communicating to God. He understands his origin. He confesses and recognizes that he is of a sinful nature. We're born into sin. So I'm just driving home that, that point. I'm going to read. Yeah, let's let's, let's keep on reading here in in Romans 8. And it says, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Verse 11. 
chapter 8. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That means the same power that raised Jesus from the dead sits right behind your sternum. Do you know who you are? Yeah. I'm a son of Christ. And I'm an inher- I'm a, uh, the inheritance that I'm going to draw in, draw of, is that power. Is there anybody in the room this morning? I mean, like, this is truth, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to let the world whoop you anymore. Those voices that tell you you're not good enough, or that your circumstance is too much to handle, mm-mm. I'm a daughter of Jesus. And I have that power sitting right here. I'm a son of the Most High God. And there's nothing you can tell me that would deter me from that. Do you walk that way? Do you know who you are? I want you to walk out of here encouraged in that. Are you, are you hearing a brother this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 12. So then, brethren... We are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You want more of an understanding of what that means? Check out Luke 9.23. If anyone wishes to come after me, he said to them all. If anyone wants to follow me, he's got to deny himself. Pick up his cross. Follow me daily. You, your flesh, has to die. Now here we go, verse 14. Yeah. It says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery. What imagery was created back in Galatians? The difference between a slave and a child, but also linking those two together that at this point of maturation, uh, you, you stop being a slave, slave to your guardian or your, uh, as it said, a, a manager back in Galatians 4. For if you have not received a spirit of slavery, excuse me, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Come on. How much more do you need this morning? Your current circumstance, however heavy, is no match for the God that you serve. It's no match. Because you are a son. Because you're a daughter. I want so, uh, so much for you to receive this this morning. I don't know why I'm getting emotional about it because I'm just, uh, can, can you see it for yourself? Because if you did, my goodness, look out. This little neighborhood right here, they won't even be able to handle Jesus Christ Fellowship. 
You can have 50 doors slammed in your face. And it don't matter. Because I'm a son of Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't say we vault ourselves up above everyone else and then look down on That's not what we're saying. You're here to serve. Not to be served. Christ came to serve. Not to be served. And if I'm a son of Johnny Square and this boy played in the NFL and I'm supposed to, in my seventh grade shoes, you know, show up and not loaf so he doesn't get in my face and say, look, boy, you're, <laughs> you're embarrassing me. <laughs> Same thing with what sits right behind here. You have something that the Lord is saying. He's not saying don't embarrass me, but he's saying, all right. Because you are my son, because you are my daughter, go follow me. Let that be in the forefront. So I got convicted this week with telling you guys that, look, you got you to lead with saying, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. And that's right, you do. But you can't follow if you don't know who you are. You can't follow if you don't know where you've come from. It's easy for me to be Johnny Square's son. It should be easy for us to be Jesus Christ's sons and daughters. Because we know how the story ends. Right? You know how the story ends. Praise Jesus. Um, Let's get our worship team back up here and get prepared for offering. We also have, uh, it's the first Sunday of the month, so we do communion on that day. I've just hit the tip of the iceberg, ladies and gentlemen, with really what it means to be a son. What sonship is. But this morning as we respond to the fact that we belong to the Father, the fact that we belong uh, to Jesus... Uh, let's come up here. You guys can come up here. I don't. I don't think the Lord wants you to just sit on that one. I'm not saying everyone's got to come up and come forward. I'm not, I'm not speaking in that regard. However, if there is something in you that needs to confess to the Lord that I have not seen myself as your child. Then why don't we do this this morning? Why don't we use this time with communion to get right with the Lord on that? And to say, hey, I have not worshipped you well in that area. Because if I knew who I was and who resided in me and what level of character I should be walking in. Lord, help me get back to that. Maybe that's you this morning. I don't know. Let's pray for this offering. Father, thank you for what you're doing this morning, Lord. God, we just ask that you would bless this offering. Bless what gets put in there, Lord. As you know that we all have needs. And you're the one who meets those needs. So I pray that we, we take you seriously when it comes to everything that is yours. Every dollar, every penny under the sun is yours. It's all yours. So Lord, I pray that we give you what's yours. And that you would 
we will bless us so that we can continue to bless you and bless your people. In Jesus' name, let's pass that. Let's bring our communion up here. These two things in front of us. Lord, we thank you for what they represent. Thank you for what they mean. Lord, as you sat at that table, the last supper with your disciples, communicating to them the events that were to come, you took that, that loaf of bread. We have that little wafer in our hand, Father. And it's the representation. You spoke to your disciples and said, This is my body. This is what I'm going to give for you. And what I want you to do is I want you to eat that in remembrance of me. I want you to do this in remembrance of me. So we do that this morning, Father, realizing your track to the cross. How, Lord, you were bloody, you were beaten, there was flesh hanging off your bones, but that's how you legally adopted us, Father. And then the same thing with the cup. Lord, that represents the wine, which represents your blood. The only thing that paid the price for our sins. All of mankind's sins. Lord, we are now free from the penalty of death because you paid for that. Legally, that's how you adopted us, Father. We, we take that, the little cup, and we drink that. We do that in remembrance of you because that's what you said to your disciples. That's what you ask us to do. Lord, we thank you. And in this moment, whatever else we have to get out, Lord, I pray that we get it out on the table. We can just talk to you. Bring healing, Father. Bring emotional healing this morning. Bring physical healing this morning, Father. Teach us how to think. Kids are not number one. Our job is not number one. Father, it begins with you. And when it begins with you, you show us how to love our wife. You show us how to love our husband. You show us how to love our kids. You show us how to have the right attitude at work. Luke 14 is very real. Luke 14:26. You ask us to put your relationship above everything else. Everything else. Father, we do that today by saying, I am a son, I am a daughter, and I accept that, and I want to walk in that this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand to our feet as we, we close with this song. Sing the verse or the chorus or whatever. I'll let you go after that.
to love freely, Father, according to what your word says. So I ask that you would protect each individual as we walk from this place. Because when we find out more who we are, the enemy doesn't like that. He doesn't want us to succeed. So Lord, I pray for a protection on each one of these individuals. That we can go from here and encourage a strong a confident people knowing that I'm not from here. I come from the kingdom. I come from Jesus. And it's because of that that I follow him. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We need you. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen.